0: All right, everybody, welcome back to episode six of College Football Unmasked. I'm your host, Ty Hayes, and today we have a full show. We have the full slate of guys here. We have Andrew, Marcus, Jameson. Boys, how are you? Doing good.
1: Doing well, doing well. Pleasure as always.
0: Man, always good to see
1: you.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's wild out (laughs) here right now, man. With all these games getting canceled, you know we're going to have to talk about that. Um, You know, just – Great weekend of college football. Pac-12 is back, getting to really immerse myself in the whole slate. But I don't know about y'all. I think the team that I want to kick off with, because I think they've been arguably the most impressive all year, is BYU. BYU goes to Boise State and just slaughters them. And that was supposed to be the test, right? Like, are they going to handle Boise? And they just demolished them. Zach Wilson looks phenomenal. Where are we at with BYU?
2: So it's weird because we had the Cincinnati conversation earlier in the year of should this non-Power 5 be eligible to get into the playoff? Should they actually get in, yada, yada, yada? I'm always against it. I was against it with UCF. I was against it with Cincinnati. For some reason, I kind of like the idea of seeing BYU in the College Bowl playoff. Like, I think they could actually compete. I'm really high on Zach Wilson. The offense is explosive. They're fun to watch. I think they actually kind of work in the whole grand scheme of the playoff.
3: No, and I, I have to 100% agree. Um, I, I, like, I like the way BYU um, is built a lot. I like how Zach Wilson has played. Um, and like you said, I mean, this, is, this was really the, the test that they have for the season. And, like, after this, they have, uh, you know, two other no-name schools. So, if, you, if, if you're BYU and, you know, you slaughter the next couple of teams, I mean, you, you could get a legitimate look at the playoff um later in the year but it also depends too because um you know like I know you'd mentioned uh, Cincinnati um if you get you know an undefeated BYU and undefeated Cincinnati I, I don't really know who you put in in that situation but that, that's a different subject so
1: yeah no 100% and you know we, yeah, Andrew brought up Cincinnati too and you know they're a great comp for BYU especially like this year it's it's like Cincinnati's they they're a well-coached team um but BYU, uh, we talked about it last week. What was Zach Wilson going to be in the Heisman, um, you know, race? And we left him off for time being. Does he? Ch- did he change your mind this weekend? Is the new question? Like B- Boise State's good, so like, does he? Did he change your mind this weekend? That's I think that's the ultimate question here.
0: So. If, if we're talking, if I had to invite three to New York right now, I still don't think so. And, and the reason being is because right now, we'll go Mac Jones first. That win over a and looks really good right now, and he demolished them. Trevor Lawrence is Trevor Lawrence. He's been doing it for three years. I feel like he deserves that spot at the Heisman. Um, and it's not like the play has fallen off this year. And Justin Fields has been phenomenal. But if we're talking about who deserves to go to New York, Zach Wilson deserves to go to New York. And to answer both y'all's point about Cincinnati, I want to pause at the question. If it was to be decided right now that one of them would go into the playoff, who goes? Keep in mind, Cincinnati might have the best win with SMU.
1: That, that was my was – the SMU win was ridiculous because SMU has yeah. been phenomenal Like even after their loss against them
2: especially if SMU can knock off Tulsa. Um, But let me
1: play devil's advocate for Zach Wilson because there
2: are, there is something that I think could get him there. Number one, Mac Jones, he doesn't apply to, actually he does apply to this now because Bam is not playing this week. So Mac Jones, Kyle Trask and Travis, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Now all missing games, all going to have missed games on their resume for this year. Not Zach Wilson. How much does that factor in?
3: Yeah. Mm Maybe yeah you know playing a full season um, may hold some weight i don't i don't know i mean back to the 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 argument on cincinnati and um, byu on who would get in i mean i i kind of do have to give cincinnati the edge solely because of the, SM, the smu win and just how dominant their uh, defense has played all year um i mean that that's they they're playing like a team level of defense that I think, you know, could have a shot at competing against some of the big dogs that play in the college football playoff uh, traditionally.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, right? And to your point, Andrew, about how do we weigh the people missing games versus not, I think on any other year, you're 100% right. Unfortunately, an injury comes, it knocks you out. I think this year is a little bit different because of the nature of COVID, right? And it's, it's the thing of I can't penalize you for not being able to go out there and play when your whole team can't go out there and play. And specifically for like a Mac Jones, when it was LSU that had the breakout and not Alabama, right? Like that's completely out of his control. Now, once again, it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Because now we're saying that he gets a pass that Zach Wilson didn't get a pass. Where are we drawing the line? The line to me is I can only blame you and hold you accountable for what you can control. And that's kind of how I have to look at this season. Jamison, to your point, I completely agree. The defense for Cincinnati has been phenomenal. Marcus, you hit the nail on the head. That SMU win is great because SMU has proceeded to be awesome. Shane Buchel looks like the quarterback I always thought he would be at Texas, right? And it never panned out there. But that is kind of a mutual relationship that both parties are better off. I'm going to play devil's advocate, though. I think Zach Wilson's good enough for BYU to beat a Cincinnati. I don't know if it's by a lot, but I think the, the energy he gives and the throws he's able to make are NFL ready now.
1: So back to your point, uh, to your point, um, Ty, do you blame Trevor Lawrence though? Cause he got COVID. It's just we don't know how know, like, play in. His team still played. Like you you know, you said we can't blame him because the whole team didn't play. Trevor got All, COVID.
2: <laughs> also, I'd like to say I'm offended that Kyle Trask wasn't in your list of Heisman candidates, Ty. I noticed that. I want him in there.
0: <laughs> no, we'll we'll get to the Kyle Trask talk because I was wrong there and I'm really excited to address that because <laughs> hey, for someone who hates being wrong, there's one thing I'm fine with being wrong about. And if that's if I don't yeah. think the player is going to be very good and they go out there and ball, I'm sure. very happy to be wrong about that, right? Like that That makes me happier than anything. Now, other than that, I don't care for being wrong, and I try and make it a point of not happening. Marcus, that's a great point, though. And I, I know that I'm laughing, and if anybody couldn't see it, there, but that's not a facetious question, right? Because that is, that is a great point. And – I think, to, to be honest, the answer is I don't know, right? Because I think that opens up a whole nother can of worms that's just, now are we penalizing, like, are we, are we putting the players under a microscope that's examining how they themselves got it, right? Like, did he get it from somebody at class?
1: Or did he Is it the injury – it's, like, the same thing as the injury, though, right? Like, you know, we don't go too far, you know? Like, he's missing games, like, and his team is still out on the field. And that that
2: was my point. Yes. That was my point on playing Devil's Advocate is a missed game is a missed game. Whatever the reason is, he missed the game. Zach Wilson hasn't missed the game. Um, And, I mean, we just don't know how they're going to value it in. I don't know, but you can make that argument for Zach Wilson. You can, especially missing multiple games. And I kind of wonder –
3: if maybe this year you start looking at it as um, like at a, the most valuable player to his team. I, I kind of wonder if you, you think of it that way because, you, you know, BYU is not top ten without Zach Wilson. Clemson proved that they can compete against the Notre Dame team with the backup quarterback. You know, Ohio State, it's – I mean, Justin Fields Justin Fields. He should be in this regardless. But I, I think that should be something interesting to think about and at least
0: chew on. Yeah, I I think you have something. Now, the one thing I will push back on, because I raised it last week, I I don't know that DJ Yuangaleli is just another backup quarterback. I think that – You just nailed that name, Ty. He is – I'm very
1: impressed. I've been scouting him since he was a
0: sophomore (laughs) in high school, man. That kid – I'll never forget the first video I saw him throwing a football. He was a sophomore in high school, and I was like, okay, well, who's he going to this year? Because he looked like a grown man out there, right? He was already so much bigger. I mean, he's phenomenal. I He's starting
2: on any other team.
0: Any other team in the nation. Yeah, yeah. I I like your idea, though, Jameson, about kind of rethinking the way we look at this, right? Because it is such a pivotal year, right? I think that ingenuity is key. And I think this year is proving that, that the, the teams that are ingenuitive are winning. And I think that along with not only a team aspect, us as a college football community have to be ingenuitive as well. And we need to figure out a better way to evaluate the Heisman. Because in this five minutes of thinking about it, how many holes have we poked into this argument already? Like we have a bunch of really good legitimate points as to why someone should be able to get it over another person all because of this crazy year. But if we're talking about a crazy year, I didn't think in the 21st century.
2: Ah, uh, Yep, I already know where you're going.
0: I would see Notre Dame <laughs> show up to a big game again. Now, I got some pushback on Twitter from one of our friends who said that he didn't think it made sense that I didn't think Notre Dame had a chance in this. I'm yep. sticking to my guns. Hey, if you, before this game, <clears throat> if you thought Notre Dame had a chance, I'd have said you were crazy. Because they haven't shown up. They haven't looked good this year but they looked really good on Saturday. What are y'all thinking about not only that game, the implications, but about Notre Dame?
2: I mean, I believe I said it two weeks ago whenever we were looking ahead to this matchup. I said, 2013, I told myself in the national championship game, I'm not ever buying into another Notre Dame team until I see them do something. They did something, and I I think my exact text to you 20 minutes before kickoff tie was, so 15% chance they make this a game, over, under. And we both said under, but they did it. It was impressive. Ian Book put a lot of heart. Um, I don't think DJ was the problem. I know DJ wasn't the problem. Trevor Lawrence is obviously a whole other story, but Clemson decent defense was the issue.
3: Yeah. And it was partly that, but I, I, I mentioned it on the show last week. And um, you know, Notre, Notre Dame's kind of, like all year, they've been this team that's like, you know, win however you need to win. Like, you know, it's they. It, sometimes it's not always pretty, but they've shown time and time again, at least this year, that they can pull out a win whenever they need to, and especially uh, playing a number one Clemson team, going into double overtime and then you know pulling out a win. I mean, that's it. It looks impressive. It looks impressive on a resume for the college football playoff.
1: Yeah, I think Ty, we put the put Clemson at fourteen and a half last week. So uh, that that looks that looks really bad. That's a tough scene. That's a tough scene. (laughs) You know, no Trevor, no problem to me. But yeah, I I I don't I don't really put much faith into the Notre Dame team. They are you know they are a good deal, and you know it looks like they're probably going to make the college football playoff now. I think it's like pretty much a done deal. But um, I I, know I, I I think so. I. They beat, like, yes, they beat Clemson without Trevor, but they still beat Clemson. And sure, uh, you know, Clemson's look like the best team all year. There's just one glaring issue to me, and it's
2: on the road at UNC. A team with a very explosive offense that can put up points on you really fast. I'm not saying that's a game they're going to lose. They could go in and win by 30. I don't know. But it's it's interesting enough, especially when you're Notre Dame and you're known for losing the big game like that. So. <laughs> well,
0: what about Miami? They haven't played Miami yet, have they?
2: Um, I don't believe so. There's two games left on their schedule that are a little iffy, but I'm most
1: worried about the UNC game. Yeah. yeah. They don't play Miami. Yeah, I don't, I don't I, yeah, know if they say, even
2: do
0: play Miami.
1: Yeah, I didn't think they were going to this year.
0: No, I look. I think that. The the defense was atrocious, right for for Clemson. I don't know what was going Wait. on for that. I couldn't tell you. Um, but Jameson, to your point, you have been higher than all, than me for sure.
1: Definitely than all of us, actually. Yeah,
0: definitely <laughs> than all me. Day. Yeah, I'm um, not that,
2: high on Notre Dame.
0: Yeah, that was a good call. And hey, Nick, who's been on the show with me before, he was higher on Notre Dame, and he tried to tell me, and I kept telling him, like, hey, you. You can put all the stock you want into them and it'll be a bad day. And it was a bad day for me. But it's, you know, I kept thinking about that, Marcus, how we said that it would be at least a two touchdown win. And if, if you were to go back in time right now and tell me that that game would be replayed, am I dumb for saying the same thing?
1: I'd say the I exact would, same thing. I would still <laughs> say 14 and a half. I would confidently, I would still say 14. And I half. 100% agree.
0: Okay. Okay. So it's not just me. That makes me feel a little bit more sane. So do we think that, you know, obviously they beat the number one team in the country, but where would you rank Notre Dame? I think they're at two right now, correct?
2: Yep. That's fair. That's fair. You beat the number one team in the country. You can go up to that, especially when you're already at four. Um, But the rankings don't mean a whole lot right now, in my opinion. They never do until the end of the year. And I – great win, fantastic win, fun game, but I still stand where I stood two weeks ago. I don't trust Notre Dame football. I just don't. We'll see. <laughs>
3: it, it, yeah, and I, I think number two is a good spot. I mean, I, I can't really see a scenario where you put them ahead of Alabama, especially if Alabama just wins out, because they already have the big-time win over A&M. They have the win over Georgia. Um, their, their quality of wins have been better, and they have been um, just higher than uh, – what Notre Dame's has been. And, and I, I think the only team that maybe jumps them if you stay undefeated is Ohio state. That's, that's, that's kind of where I'm at on that.
1: Yeah. I completely agree with that. Ohio state statement is like, I, I think Ohio state does jump them, but I think too, like, like, like y'all all said too, is pretty adequate. I, I just, I, I can't see another spot of them, you know, going to, from four to three, beating them from one team, it doesn't make all a whole lot of sense. The two is good for me.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Now, do we have any concern looking forward? Because Notre Dame goes and plays Boston College this week, who I know Boston College is not a team who instills fear in the heart when you hear them, but they have a history of being a tough team to put away. Not winning, but just tough to put away.
2: So I I had this for the betting segment later, but Boston, college is seven to one against the spread this year including um who i forget who they play it was unc whenever they're a top 10 team and i believe another ranked team seven and one against the spread they make games close they just do i i think notre dame wins the game but i think it's within two touchdowns i believe the spread is 14 and a half right now i think it's definitely within that
3: yeah and you know i mean they they only lost to clemson by six so exactly. at, like like you said i mean these are all you know within score unc was one score game uh Virginia Tech was the only bad loss really which but, was also like, the most surprising yeah yes but with it also be playing being played at Boston College i mean it, it i don't i don't think it's as done of a deal as maybe the spread talks about and then too it kind of goes back to you know Notre Dame's just kind of like historic track record with this
1: yeah the the track record is always a concern with Notre Dame i just feel like like i said i think they're I think it's a done deal for Notre Dame. Boston College, yeah, like y'all have all said, that's a great stat, by the way, Andrew. I, that's, I, I would never thought of that stat. That's a great Incredible stat. Incredible against uh, the spread. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe they do make it a game, but I, I still think Notre Dame's going to pull it out, and I, I think you know they're well on their way to the college football playoff at this point. Yeah,
0: I think I expect Boston College to make it a game. Boston College, I've always loved watching their games. The way they schematically play defense is a whole lot of fun to watch. Historically, they've been able to find holes in the opposing offense and really just put a high-level game plan together, but they haven't been able to get it done. Now, Jamison, I want to skip ahead a little bit and talk about something you said, because you brought up a team who I don't think we will see a more heartbreaking finish this year. Virginia Tech played Liberty this weekend. And Liberty remains undefeated with Coach Hugh Freeze at the helm, former Ole Miss head coach. Now, if you didn't see the game, I got to give you a breakdown. Because what happens is Virginia Tech lines up to kick a long field goal. They kick it and end up – or I'm sorry, Liberty kicks the field goal from about 51 yards. Virginia Tech blocks the first one, returns it 50 yards for a touchdown, but they called the timeout to ice the kicker beforehand. So the play goes back, kick it again, 51-yard field goal, Liberty beats Virginia Tech to remain undefeated. Is there a more heartbreaking loss that will occur this year than that?
2: No, definitely not, especially with a, such a big upset. Like, granted, Liberty is a top 25 team now, but you talk to any average fan, it's like, hey, Liberty beat Virginia Tech. It's like, whoa, well, who? So, I mean, yeah, that's – that's pretty heartbreaking, especially in a year where you're just playing your conference.
3: Yeah, and that whenever you have, um, you know, it's it's Liberty. Nobody, nobody really knows about them. You know, no, not many people have actually heard of heard of Liberty University. So, um, you know, if you're Virginia Tech and and you think you have the game in the bag like that, I mean, that that's just demoralizing. That's I, I don't know if there's another word to describe it.
1: Yeah, ask ask Cowboy fans how demoralizing that a uh, block. Field goal was earlier on Sunday, uh, and that, that 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 almost that that cost them the game as well. So uh, yeah, it is it, it, demoralizing, and you know I, I don't think we'll see another upset like this. It's
0: it's hard to think now. Something stood out to me after the game, right? Because to me, conventional wisdom says with as many teams being disappointing this year, that there will be some coaches fired, and Hugh Freeze taking liberally undefeated he was a big name coming out the sec it's just how he got let go from old miss left a bad taste in the sec's mouth but he said after the game that it would take something special for him to leave liberty now you hop on social media and people are saying oh well that means he's staying there mm-hmm. i'm of the mindset that special is one of those coach speaks words right because hey. The Subway cookies are special to me, right? So I think everybody has different definitions of what special is. Do you all think that he stays at Liberty, or do you think that he comes and goes with a bigger opportunity?
2: I think he absolutely goes. I mean, we've seen this story 500 times. Like every, every time a coach is at a smaller program like that and they build it up, they always leave. I mean, Seth, Seth Luttrell at our own university, we, always, we were talking to ourselves about one more big year with Mason Fine, he's out of here. And the other biggest example I can think of, the only time I thought a guy was going to stay was P.J. Fleck at Western Michigan, and he left too. So I, I cannot imagine he stays at Liberty University.
3: Well, it, and it's, it's kind of the same thing with, you know, it's like Andrew said, it happens time and time again. But a program that I also think of is like Matt Rule of Baylor. Um, you know, he, he rebuilt the program after Art Riles, um had that whole scandal that got him run right out of town um and then you know he he builds up the program and then even right before the uh bowl game last year he's like no i'm not leaving like i want to stay at baylor and build and all of a sudden you get this offer i mean granted this is you know college to the nfl and it's a head coaching gig with the panthers i mean it's not the worst job in the world um but you know it's if you get an offer from a a, you know a big time power five school i don't know how you turn that down
1: yeah money money talks tie and that that's just the that's that's you know that's that's what it's going to come down to you know we're going to talk about it later but Michigan has the head coach out coming out of the way Texas had a really bad scare this week so they're probably having to having a coach out of the way so oh. you know <laughs> and
0: those two schools you named are the exact programs I'm thinking of because Hugh Freeze Hugh Freeze took a 2015 Ole Miss squad that was good offensively, but didn't have the depth and talent to really go toe-to-toe with Bama. And they beat him. Right, was the
2: Landshark team, right?
0: Yep. And it wasn't just once. They beat him twice. I think he's the only SEC coach to beat Saban twice, if I'm not mistaken. That's absurd. Hey. They haven't been around long enough. You think about it, Les Miles, gone. Les Miles may have been the only other one when Nick Saban was first hired from 2007, 2008. I think Les Miles probably beat Saban a few times. But I I agree with all of y'all. I don't think there's any way, any how he stays at Liberty. He's a brilliant mind in football, regardless of how he left. He, He will come and go. The last game in the ACC I want to hit on, and it's mainly because of the incredible performance of one Eric King. Eric King put up 400-plus yards passing, 100-plus yards running, and five touchdowns. Are we overlooking him for some awards this year?
2: We're not because in college football, too much of what your team does matters. I mean, really, your team's performance, as much as we say it should be about – You mean this much to your team, and it's not. It is about how well your team performs. And like I always tell y'all, Miami is Miami, as blanketed of a statement as that is. It's very stereotypical, but they are what they are. They're always going to be this team that goes up and down like this. And looking at this next week for them, this tells you all you need to know. They're the ninth team in the country, and Virginia Tech's favored by two and a half.
3: Well, and, you know, like like you said – um, it, it comes down to a lot of team playing, you know, if you have um, BYU and Zach Wilson, you have Justin, uh, Justin Fields and Ohio State, Trevor Lawrence and Clemson, you know, they, it's, um, you know, they have the quality wins, they have the rankings, they have the undefeated seasons, whatever. Um, but you look back on earlier in the year, whenever they played Clemson, I mean, they got absolutely run out of the stadium. So I don't. I don't know if Heisman is there, but just in terms of being a special playmaker and a special talent, I I, I don't think it's um, you know disputable.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna take the opposite on this. Uh, king gra- graduated from a Texas high school. His senior year, he broke Kyler Murray's six A touchdown record. So that says enough because Kyler Murray is the king of Texas football. So. Just similar to Kyler Murray, rushing for 100 yards this weekend, throwing for 300. I think, you know, we might be overlooking something a little bit. This dude is, he's good. I, 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 don't, think, I don't think normal guys do this. And, you know, I, I, I would take the uh, the other end of the stick.
0: And to your point, Marcus, I think he's one of three or four quarterbacks <laughs> since like 2005 to have 400 yards passing, 100 yards rushing, and five touchdowns. That's an yeah. absurd stat line. Now, Andrew, unfortunately, you, you, you bring up a good point about what your team does matters. Jamison, you're 100% right. Now, that is absurd. I didn't realize that Virginia Tech was a favorite in this game. Unranked. That's criminal. That and is. I think that gets to a question I want to talk about with y'all. Because y- you all kind of hinted to it, right? But I want to get serious here for a bit. Because college football is better when Miami is good. I think all of us can agree with that, right? Like the 2000-2001 Miami squads, arguably some of the best to ever suit up, right? How close are they to being back? Because it feels like they're just about there, but they're so far at the same time.
2: I don't think they're close at all because they're just about there, but so far apart every single year. It's the same storyline. Every It's like Texas football. You come to the air and it's like, Hey, top 10 team, top 15 team, like this is going to be the year. They have that one signature game coming up at the beginning of every season and then they just blow it and you don't hear about until next year.
3: Well, and and not only that, but, I mean, we, we, we've we just seen it in the last couple of weeks with Clemson. I mean, they're not going anywhere after Trevor Lawrence leaves. They're they're going to keep running the ACC. They, they've still got um, – I, I think they've still got a stranglehold on the ACC. You know, UNC is kind of coming up within – Um, the conference as well, whether, you know, this year hasn't been what a lot of people thought UNC was going to be. But I, I still don't know how, even in future years, how you can put, you know, a one to two loss Miami team ahead of some of these SEC and big 10 powers that you have.
1: Yeah. So close, so far away is the perfect description. And the the, the perfect comp is Texas football. So I think not even close.
0: So, I think that brings up an entirely separate question, right? Because I thought of Texas, too, and I think that's really interesting you all bring it up. Are we at a point with college football that it is disappointing, right? I guess – here, let me rephrase this. Does this say more about teams like Texas, Miami, teams like that, that they're that far behind? Or have teams like Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama – really just lapped the
2: field they've really just lapped the field because we've talked about it several times over the course of this show about how there are so many great teams in college football and I honestly I'm not even including Texas and Miami in that because I just don't believe they're in that but even after all those great teams there's just that those four that are untouchable and they're at a whole nother level than everybody else it's just the way it is it's where we are in college football
3: yeah, and you know, it, it really takes, you know, some special talent to overturn that. I mean, LSU did it last year whenever they, they kind of, you know, flipped the college football world on its head whenever they, you know, they take down Alabama in the way that they did. They take down, um, you know, Clemson and uh, some of these other powers. And it's, it's been this way for the last, you know, half decade. I mean, it's been the last decade plus with Bama, but with Clemson coming up um, and things like that for the last heck decade or half decade, it's been those two Ohio state and it's, it's really not even close. And there is just, it's like tier one. And you have these guys who were year in, year out, you, you can, you know, bet your life savings that they're going to be in the college football playoff. And then there's kind of everybody
1: else. You know, I, I think it's kind of like the NBA. We, we come into the year every year, like, Oh, all these guys can be contenders, but who do we know is going to be in the finals? Like, you know, and that's just, that's, that's what it comes down to. And so, yeah, I, I would say those teams have definitely lapped. And if not, you know, overlapped uh, some of these these tier two or – I honestly, it's tier one and then tier three, at, really, at this point.
0: Yeah, I think before we jump to Big 12, I, I've told Andrew, I've told Jameson, and Marcus, I believe I've told you this. It all starts with recruiting in college football, much like college basketball, which you all are incredible at, right? But with college football, I think the difference is is sustainability, right, with recruiting and how you put it together. Because in college basketball, you have the one and done, right? So you're kind of looking at a complete class almost every year. Football is like a puzzle where you have to invest. And this year specifically, there's only two squads that have more than two five stars. There's only four squads in the nation that have more than one five star. Bama and Ohio State are hoarding all the five stars and they could each end up with six five stars reasonably when all this is said and done with the next most being maybe two or three. I mean, it is a stockpile at this point of the top. But we've been bringing up another team that we have dubbed a disappointment. And it just so happens that one of our co-hosts here isn't in his burnt orange this evening. He has taken up his new team colors and respectably so.
2: Great day to be a Gator, Ty. <laughs>
0: yeah, I can, I can imagine. So, I want to talk with you about the Big 12 and Texas barely holding on to, against West Virginia this weekend. What do you think?
2: Honestly, you're going to be surprised. Pessimist Texas fan Andrews not here. The Oklahoma State win, that's such a fluky thing that Texas always does where it's one random win out of the way and it's like, oh, we're back, but not really winning the follow-up game after especially against a team like West Virginia who they always struggle with means way more to me that was an interesting game to watch a fun game to watch and I think many winning that means far more than the Oklahoma State game was
3: no and, and absolutely because West Virginia has been like a thorn in the side for a lot of Big 12 teams for a while now it, you know it, it seems like they're you know not necessarily that great but when they play against some of the powers in the Big 12 I mean they normally put up a good fight and so Um, like Andrew said, I don't, it's, it's a good win. I I, I really do think it's a good win.
1: You know, we, we talked about it last, last week. And I think that was one of the games to watch that I, I had mentioned was because they had the same, you know, they had the same record coming into the matchup. And I, I was concerned about Texas. I still don't give a whole lot of credit to the Texas Uh, team. uh, Um, And so like, (laughs) it's, it's, you know, it, I still think you know you you're still giving a very very lo- long look at Tom Herman, and you're like, yeah, this is another win that you're gonna say, oh look, I can show you, I deserve my job, so um, yeah, you, you know things are gonna get sticky, but I I just I, I can't give them much credit.
2: I'm 100% with you. Texas isn't done losing football games this year. It just, it to me meant way more seeing them win a big game and follow it up with a win because that almost never happens in the modern era of Texas football. So seeing that was actually just very refreshing as a fan.
0: Yeah, you know, I was ready to come on here and hop on you, right? Yeah. <laughs> About anything Texas. But the position you took is actually the one position where I I concede. Right, because I think you hit a really good point. And it's the way you're looking at it, where you're looking at this loss and its meaningfulness in all of the right areas. It doesn't indicate that there is a turn, but it indicates that there is a consistency that at least is there, right? And that I think is true. But hey, it's not like that the Big Twelve was exactly any better outside of that. Oklahoma State beats K-State, but I don't know what that means, right? Kansas State is pretty horrible. OU beat Kansas, which Kansas hasn't won a game. So which win did you all think meant more, the Oklahoma State win or the Oklahoma win? I'd say
2: the Oklahoma State win just because in the grand scheme of things, they're the only ones left that have anything to play for at this point. Um, But what you said about the Big 12 in general – I, I think the Big 12 is the worst conference to watch now. I think it is the most unwatchable conference. The Texas game this week was the only one I cared even a little bit about. And, I, I mean, I saw in the script you put something about are they improving, are they getting worse, are they stagnant? Stagnant's the perfect word because it's just – there's no improvement, there's no decline, it's just boring
3: football. You know, I, I think that's an interesting point too because I, I haven't really – thought of the Big 12 like that when I sit back and think of these different games that I do watch it I mean that's exactly what it is because you don't really expect a Big 12 team to actually do anything whenever it matters um and and so um I don't know I mean I think Oklahoma State they did have the better win um because Kansas I mean for an 0-7 team you can't really no matter what the score is you can't you can't give that much credit to Oklahoma for beating a team that's already you know lost every game this year so um for your question, I definitely I gotta go with Oklahoma State.
1: Yeah, I, I think you know SMU needs to join the Big 12 or something at this point. It, it, it is boring, terrible football. <laughs> it, it, um, I I love Texas and but man, this this conference is really hard to watch and it's it's the NFC East of uh of college football. Oh god, so.
2: that's the comp, isn't
1: it? Yeah, that is. Oh, it's that's comp, so yeah. bad, but
0: that's the comp.
1: <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what it is
0: so I'll play devil's advocate here and here's why the OU win means more because right now Andrew you're right they do have they're in the driver's seat until that game comes where they play OU OU only has two losses and OU managed to beat Texas so if OU is able to beat Oklahoma State now all of a sudden the fate of the Big 12 is completely different So this win for Oklahoma is against a cupcake nobody, absolutely. But they still managed to put up 60-plus points, right? They were still clicking, and I think that alone could be enough to take them. Because here's the thing. The leading passer in the Oklahoma State-Kansas State game was not Sanders from Oklahoma State. It was the quarterback from Kansas State, and he threw 10 of 21 for 143 yards. That's not good. No. Right? That's that's not going to get it done. So it, it's for that reason. I actually give this Oklahoma win a little bit more credence.
2: Yeah. No, that's a great point. I get that. It's just, I mean, it goes back to the Big 12 thing. Again, I look at it and it's like, okay, Oklahoma, Oklahoma does have a resurgence. They do play well. They do go beat Oklahoma State. The rest of the country is going to go, Okay, cool. What's what's on next? But yeah,
0: <laughs> I <would. laughs>
1: yeah. I, I think that that's the perfect thing. Is like uh, we're we're watching uh, Andy Dawn and Carson Wentz out there, and uh, it, it is uh, uh, things aren't great. But if OU does beat DiNucci, Oklahoma State, Andy yeah, yeah, Danucci, <laughs> yeah, right. So you know, if Oklahoma State uh, or if OU does beat Oklahoma State. I, like Andrew said, what, what's on next, you know, you know, what's (laughs) let's flip the channel, you know um, let's get on with the season. I I don't think it means much. And even Oklahoma state, even if they pull it out, like what does the win really mean for them? You know, like, honestly, what does it really mean for them?
0: Yeah. Look, there, there's no arguing that, right? Like at this point it's kind of pride, so if that's an acceptable answer, then owe you. But if you're of the mindset that at this point pride's not even enough, hey, then you are 100% right. Now, the Big 12 as a conference is something. How do we fix it, right? Because Texas, in the, I'm going to paint you this. In, the, in one year alone, they have lost the number one recruit in the state of Texas for this year's class, who's a triple legacy. And then they lost the number one recruit in the state of Texas for next year's class, Quinn Ewers. How do you fix recruiting in the Big 12? Because it's not like a lot of these players are coming to the Big 12. OU is really the only pipeline, right? TCU just got their first five-star recruit ever this past year. How do you fix Big 12 football?
2: You know, there's no easy answer, but it's going to sound biased. Texas football has to be good. We talked about how Miami being good is good for football. Texas being good is good for football. You look at that that stretch from the early 2000s to 2009 and the national championship against Alabama. Texas at its best was the Big 12 at its best. I don't think you can really argue that. So Texas being good will immediately make the Big 12 better. It makes the Red River rivalry better. It, it, makes, it, it makes it all better. That's the key.
3: And, and I think another thing, too, is to start investing more in the defense and start investing more in just having a – just a better defensive centric team. Cause that you know, that's what the big 10 and the sec, they, they pride themselves on is those, you know, those just blue collar defenses. And you don't have that in the big 12, you know, it's, it's always shootouts and it's always, you know, these open spread offenses. And so um, I, I think that would be a big step towards it. Obviously Texas, you know, if, if Texas is back college football's back. So um,
1: I, I, those are my main two things I got to go with. Fire Tom and Tom Herman. That's, I yeah. guess, that's that's the starting point, I guess, right? So that's the only way Texas is going to remodel this thing I, at this point. I, I, like, I Herman's track record, at least, like, since he's been at Texas, what does he have to show, like, legitimately? You know, I, I just, I, not a whole lot. You know, Sugar bowl, like, that's it. Hey, I, I, you know, I won this game. Uh, I, I beat OU. Like, you know, I, I just, that's the only way it's going to get better. And, you know, we talked about it last week. You've heard from multiple people, Tom Herman doesn't know what he's doing and he's not a trustable guy. That's not a great, that's not a great reputation to have, especially when you're trying to recruit, man. It is not a great recipe for success. So, you know, I, I, I just think, yeah, it starts with Texas.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I look, I think that if there was ever a, a combination you don't want to be in, in college football where recruiting is key, untrustworthy, and having the perception that you don't know what you're doing. That might be the worst combination. And, hey, hats off to him because many have tried. Many have tried. Only few have succeeded in that level of ineptitude, right? That's that's special. It's true. The thing that's probably more special than that was Justin Fields this weekend, continuing his path on just being an absolute (laughs) baller. Now, Andrew, last weekend we talked about how Justin Fields could actually surpass Trevor Lawrence, right, if team need came in. You look at him this weekend, he was 24 of 28. He had four incompletions, was 300-plus yards, and had five touchdowns. So what does he need to do in y'all's minds to cement himself as QB1? Are you
2: talking in terms of the Heisman or the number one pick in the draft?
0: Number one pick
2: in the draft. Sorry, not happening. I love Justin Fields. I like Justin Fields. He's my favorite players in college football. But it's simply just not happening. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, he may – Justin Fields may have better physical attributes to some areas than Trevor Lawrence, but Trevor Lawrence's mind and IQ level is on such a different pedigree in terms of how it translates to NFL football that there's just no way he gets kicked out of the number one spot.
3: And it, and it goes back to, I had mentioned it last week, just to where when he's been compared to Andrew Luck and John Elway is the best quarterback prospect ever. I mean, those are that, that's the elite of the elite and he's been there for, since he was, you know, 13, 14 years old. Um, And so it's kind of hard to take down that track record. Look, I mean, Justin Fields, I I said it last week and I'm going to say it again, any other year he's the number one overall pick undisputed, but he's in there with this generational type talent who's seen as this can't miss, you know, he's six foot six, 240 pounds. He can run like a deer. He can make all the throws. Like Andrew said, he's got an NFL ready mind and he he's, he's playing at a different level. Um, and he, he has been from what we've seen from Trevor Lawrence. He's always played at just that, that step above everybody else. And granted Justin Fields does the same thing, but when you have the comparisons to John Elway, Andrew Luck, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to
1: surpa- surpass that in a draft. I think it's going to come down to who has the number one pick and what do you prefer? Um, what style of football you're going to play? And, you know, I, like I, I, we talked about it last week, look at the MVP candidates for the NFL right now, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray. I, it, I, I can't say fields is like a hundred percent out of that, you know, number one pick conversation. And I, you know, if I had to pick personally, you have to go Trevor, but I I'm starting to I'm starting to talk myself into Justin Fields a little bit now and I think a lot of NFL execs could do the exact same thing honestly I if if I was the Cowboys I I think I would take fields like if if we're being honest like if it's going to come down to the, the Cowboys scheme of things closer better yeah, yeah it's-
3: it it's not only that, but it, you bring up a good point And it's really like, you know, Trevor Lawrence has been this undisputed number one overall pick and talent for years now, but you start having these second thoughts where it's like, well, you know, what if,
1: you know, yeah.
3: what, what was Justin Fields? And I think the Cowboys are a great point for it because the Cowboys have built their team, especially the way Dak plays. I mean, Justin Fields is Dak on steroids. And so I – I think he's he would be a great fit there. Now Jerry Jones keeps saying that Dak's their guy for the future. Um, you know, say say what you will. I don't. I don't know if they're going to let Dak walk, but. You know, that, that's, that's an entirely different discussion.
2: I think I just saw a little glimmer in the eye of a Cowboys fan talking about moving on from Dak. That was interesting.
3: <laughs> the chosen child. They're ready to move it, on. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be hard to, you know, be mad about going uh, Justin Fields over Dak. It's hard to be mad at that.
0: Yeah, that is hard to be mad. So, I, sure. I'm going to pause y'all two questions, right? And with these two questions, within a minute, I want you to tell me whether you agree or disagree and give me a quick synopsis of why, right? Because I think it'll be fun. First, is it that Trevor Lawrence is more NFL ready right now, but Justin Fields has a higher ceiling. And second, is there anybody that can stand in Ohio state's way in the big 10 go?
2: Yes. Trevor Lawrence is more NFL ready, but Justin Fields does have the higher ceiling Trevor Lawrence is what he is and that's not a bad
0: thing because he's incredible what was the second question sorry I already forgot can anybody stand in the way of Ohio State in the Big Ten
2: no no Penn State looks awful the only thing I can think of is Wisconsin and they're still trying to get their legs underneath them again coming back this week for their uh first time back from Corona
3: you know I I think Justin Fields does have the higher ceiling just based on the way the NFL is trending to where it's more of having those dual threat guys. And that's not to say Trevor Lawrence isn't a dual threat quarterback because we've, we've seen what he can do with his legs. But in terms of just having that all-around quickness, that all-around just athleticism being like, – like you said last, uh, last week, just being the most athletic guy on the field, I think that Justin Fields may just slightly have that higher ceiling. And then I, I think Wisconsin really is the only team that has a shot in the Big Ten to really upset Ohio State. But even then, I think Ohio State is just going to run the table.
1: I'm going to take Fields as the higher ceiling, but again, ceiling only goes to fit and team, and so only you know you, you can only get the maximum amount of potential or ceiling from whatever team you fall to. Um, there's no chance that Ohio State loses. Uh, I think he yeah, There's no competition, but yeah.
0: Yeah, I love that quote. Feel or ceiling only matters as much as team and scheme and all of that. I think a hundred percent. So I'm super disappointed because this weekend Ohio State and Maryland were supposed to play. I didn't think Maryland was going to win the game, right? But to me, it was going to be the measuring stick of just where Maryland is in their regrowth period by how much of a fight they put up. Everybody who's listened knows I've been a big fan of Maryland. They worried me week one, but man, have they made me look really smart every week since. Rakeem Jarrett, the rookie wide receiver, went off. Tualia Tungabailoa is doing big things. The offense looks just like a Loxley offense. How do y'all view Maryland right now? Hey, I'm with you. You try to talk
2: me into them for months leading up to the season. Even after week one, you're still on it. I wasn't fully bought in but they do look really good. And I I really wish we had the Ohio State game because I'm with you, they would not have beaten Ohio State. But number one, like you said, it's a measuring stick for where they are. And number two, it's fun to see the teams like Ohio State or Clemson, whoever it be, get a little bit of a test and see them have to play with some adversity. So that would have been a great matchup.
3: Absolutely. Just seeing if they could, they could push a team that's, you know, been this power for years now in Ohio State, that would have been watch now Penn State I think that's you know it's it's another discussion on whether or not they just are what we they just completely aren't what we thought they were at the beginning of the year um but you know it's hard to be mad about what
1: Maryland's done so far this year man baby Tua looks a whole lot like big Tua doesn't he (laughs) That, that thing is they are the they are the Miami of college football you know Miami is in a perfect place Miami Dolphins are in a perfect place uh in the NFL look brilliant i think i think maryland's in that same boat uh that ohio state would have been a good measuring stick but i think they're still going to be good past this so yeah what a what an ability
0: to recruit from now right because now locksley gets to tell people i flipped a dude who was going to lsu and he's bawling up here like he he's not getting not looked at we got a tongue of iloa up here so you know the media will be here Now is the biggest time as ever to recruit for Maryland, and I really hope he, you know, is able to take advantage of that. Now, to play devil's advocate against myself, Jameson, you make a good point. There's an argument to be made that Maryland has been slaughtering some pretty bad teams right now. Here's what I'm going to tell myself. You still got to slaughter them, right? And so, at the very least, they're still slaughtering them. They're they're putting the knife to the throat, and they're doing what they have to do to win – it is what it is, right? But you're right. The Big Ten right now is super disappointing. Um, and, like, we'll talk about this weekend, Nebraska and Penn State this weekend. What what do we do with that game, <laughs> right? Like, what is that atrocity to tell us?
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it really is a whole lot of nothing, but, like, I, I think we've talked about it a few times. I mean, I – I want to just give people the benefit of the doubt due to COVID, especially in the big 10. And, you know, it's going to probably be in the same case of the PAC 12 too, whenever you have this much of a layoff between, you know, actually playing and you're starting so late, um, you know, you, you have somewhat of an excuse in, in, in my opinion.
1: I told you four or three weeks ago, whenever I was with you, Ty, right off Penn state for me, and just keep writing them off for me so uh, I you know that's all I got to say about them yeah. see you yeah. next year yeah
0: hey quick uh, you know while we're on Penn State I hope uh, I don't know if y'all heard the news starting running back journey Brown
2: I did yeah, just see that
0: yeah retire early you know never want to see that thoughts and prayers are with him because that's That's a shame, man. That was a really talented kid who had to retire. Um, Definitely. So you never want to see that. But maybe time for my favorite segment in the Big Ten, right? My favorite time. An old khaki pants caught another L. Now, I will say this. Harbaugh might not be able to coach college football, but the man can catch L's like Odell in a Dallas football game, right? The man is just out here – one-handed grabbing L's left and right. Look, I know that we all thought Indiana would beat them next or last week. Part of that, for me, was being a little bit of a troll, right, and just kind of wanting to speak it into existence. But, my God, it happened, right? What happens at Michigan now? Is it time to be just out on Harbaugh?
2: If you're not on them now, when are you going to be out on them? That's my thing. I mean, it's time to move on it's been time to move on I week one I really talked myself into the whole hey he wasn't wearing khakis he was wearing different pants than they won I really bought into that more than I should have but they they are not legit at all and on the flip side Indiana sneaky a really fun team to watch Pennix at quarterback is very fun to me and I enjoy watching them play football so I'm I'm all in on watching Indiana the rest of the year
3: well, when again, it, it's the comparisons with Michigan and Texas and then Tom Herman and um, Harbaugh. So it, if you're, you know, Michigan's boosters, the athletic director, whoever, and you're, you're sitting there, you're giving Harbaugh a look at the end of the season. You're like, you know what, what is he going to do to take us to the next step? And do we think he's going to take us to the next step? And for me, the answer is no. And it's the same thing with Tom Herman. It's you know, we've seen his track record, like, yes, he's going to win, you know, the, a big game every now and again, but doing it consistently is, an, is a whole different discussion.
1: You know, I was talking to somebody yesterday, and I asked them where they went to college, and they said Michigan State, and I was like, oh, you're pretty excited, and he was like, yeah, but we beat Michigan, so it doesn't matter. So, <laughs> so you, know, you know, so, um, I, I think at this point, you're like, hey, like, we've already lost this many games, like, like, what more can Harbaugh do to keep his job? I don't know. I, I, I really don't. I guess beat Wisconsin this weekend, but you what is that really day. like? What is that? But are they there? There's not. It's not even gonna be a, a competition. At least like they're gonna walk. No, but aisle. that's
2: that's what he has to do. <laughs> that's
1: it. I don't even know if I can let him keep his job after that. Uh, I I, I legitimately don't, but that's that, it. <laughs> but we talked. You know, we talked about it last week. Indy and Michigan was going to be the game to watch this weekend. It was fun, like you know, like to Andrew's point, Indiana's a fun team to watch. So uh, I, I look forward to keep watching them at least, not Michigan.
0: No, and, and Indiana <laughs> goes on to play Michigan State this weekend. That's just going to be a mop up victory, I think. Right, just to keep the confidence rolling, just to keep it going. If Wisconsin gets to play, though, they get Michigan. And what a team to kind of step back into the fold with. They haven't played football in a while. I don't know that it matters because their quarterbacks were so good and Michigan's defense has been so not good. I mean, I think Michigan catches another L if they play this weekend. What do you think?
2: Absolutely. I mean, we talked about it a few weeks ago after Wisconsin's first win. I've always liked Wisconsin football. Watching them actually throw it instead of the heavy ground game was really fun to watch. Um, so I'm excited to see them come back, and I think they're going to slot from Michigan.
3: Well, it's not only that, but it, it goes back to Michigan. They they don't win big games against rigged teams. It, it's just not something that's in their DNA, um, and it, it's not something that they're built around. And yes, I mean it is at Michigan, but I no fans. I, I can't really give that too much um, weight on on the outcome of the game. So, yeah, I I think Wisconsin is just going to absolutely blow them out of the water.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with both Andrew and Jamison. I I don't think it's going to be a competition, and that's why I keep saying I don't think Harbaugh can keep his job.
0: Yeah. I want to say that it should be close because it should be. And you all know me. I, I love taking the air out of Harbaugh, but it's not going to be. He's deflated the program man, and I think you can actually see it now in the way they play. They don't have an identity, they're so confused, and I think it shows in their recruiting that it's just, it's just a really rough time right now. Um, Really rough time to be a Michigan fan. Now I am sending y'all something over Twitter though, because we're about to talk some Pac-12 football, all right? And there's a new player in the Pac-12 I was telling you all about, and this kid is unreal. Noah Sewell, true freshman to Oregon, is an absolute man-child at the linebacker position. He's like 250 pounds and he moves like he's a buck 85. He was out there suplexing kids in his first college start. I know that that wasn't the most impressive game in the Pac-12 this weekend, But for me, that probably takes the cake out the Pac-12. I want y'all to talk about where y'all were at after watching Pac-12 football this weekend. And who impressed you?
2: I'm with you. It was Oregon. We had talked about before how Oregon would be that potential team to come out of the Pac-12 and maybe get into the playoff. And with the Clemson loss this week, I think it opens it up, especially if Notre Dame drops a game. There is a wide open spot for Oregon to take. Unfortunately, I didn't get to watch the game. I wish I had, but I am excited to see Oregon this next week. And I, I think after watching the highlights, they can definitely gun for that playoff spot.
3: Absolutely, you know, you know, Oregon has NFL level talent. You know, kind of all over the field at all different positions. They and they they've rebuilt this program to kind of reflect that in in the the Pac-12. Um, you know, USC barely pulled out a win over Arizona State. Um, but Oregon's really the only team that can get me even somewhat excited about having a shot at the, the uh, college football playoffs.
1: Holy moly, this kid looks like Miles Jack or Khalil Mack. I, I, that, that video is ridiculous. So, that's uh, a yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. That dude looks like, like Miles Jack and Khalil Mack, and that's, that's scary. So um, I, I, I look forward to watching him go forward. Thank yeah. you for bringing him to my attention.
0: And that's not even the scariest one. They have another kid that attempted murder on a high school field every time he got out there. Lord <laughs> the Marcus, just look up Justin Flow on YouTube, and oh my God, the kid was just an absolute problem. But Jamison, you brought up USC, and I agree with you, but here's where I kind of disagree. I know that they just outlasted Arizona State. And I know Arizona State's quarterback, Daniels, he didn't play very good. And that's a quarterback that I'm kind of watching because I think his upside is really high, Arizona State's quarterback. But if he ever can get there is the question. He kind of plays a bit of undisciplined football right now. And I think it shows when your quarterback was your leading rusher, but he's got a cannon of an arm, right? If anybody wants to see an incredible quarterback duel last year, Go back and watch Arizona State versus Oregon, where every time Justin Herbert made a throw, this kid made that exact same throw, and it was an amazing duel. But Slovis for USC, their quarterback, is really, really good, right? And he looks like he could be a USC quarterback to bring them back into the fold. So I think that the pack is a little bit better than I gave them credit for, but I don't know if it's enough to seriously even talk about a team outside of Oregon into the playoffs. What did y'all think about USC's win this weekend?
2: Slovis was a guy I wanted to hit on because he came in last year playing unexpectedly as a true freshman, played very well, and you hit on it. He feels like a USC quarterback. I don't know what it is, but he feels like that traditional Matt Leinart kind of guy. Yeah, absolutely. If he could bring them back to that level, USC is another one of those teams that just makes football better. I I personally hate them. I, I cannot stand them just because that Texas USC beef back in the early PTSD. to mid 2000s. But yeah, PTSD, exactly. But Slovis is very good at football.
3: You know, and, and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I would love to see USC be back. And like you said, I mean, they're, they're kind of in that same uh, realm as a Texas, Miami, um, even a Michigan, you know, if if USC is good, I, I think it's, it really is good competition for the Pac-12, and not only the Pac-12, but just, just for college football in general. Um, and so, you know, he's, he's put up these stats, but I, I, I want to see just what he does over this course of this year. And I, I think that will be really telling on what he does for USC moving forward.
1: Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. If USC is good and, you, you know, if Texas is good, then all of football is better. So I hope this thing kind of pans out, uh, and I, I'm, I'm I like USC.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that it'll be interesting. They play Arizona this weekend. I think if you're just really trying to figure out who Slovis is, it's a must-watch game. But if you're kind of looking for where should I put my attention. I don't know if that's the game the week. If if you're looking for a pack game to watch, the game I'd check out is the Oregon State um, – I'm sorry, the Washington State versus Oregon game. Washington State beat up Oregon State this weekend pretty bad. They're both going into week two, 1-0. Oh. I'm looking forward to that game because anytime I get to watch more Oregon, I'm happy, and it'll actually be a bit more of a test for them this weekend. So – I think that's the move for Pac 12 football this weekend. And in that game, I'd even have Oregon beating Washington State. I mean, what do y'all think about Washington State?
2: I agree with you. Um, my biggest issue with them is they're about to get smacked by Oregon this week. And it's kind of hard to use that measuring stick on them because I really do think Oregon's going to dominate this game, especially with Sewell, like you're talking about. So, to me, put Washington State on hold until two weeks from now.
3: <laughs> and, and, you know, that, that's fair. But, I mean, it, it has the feeling of just being like that classic Pac-12 just shootout. And so um, I, I'm excited to see it. You know, Washington State, they, they've kind of been, you know, coming up in the Pac-12 the last few years. And so um, seeing their test against, you know, the, arguably the best team in the Pac-12 will be fun to watch.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be a shootout. Uh, I don't think they have a chance against Oregon, but I'm not going to count them out. Um, so, I, you know, it's going to be fun to watch. But like Andrew said, wait two weeks, and then we'll see what see – what, check the temperature.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Well, we have a few more segments before we close, but now we get to the part of college football that is the heart of my heart, and that's the SEC. Now, unfortunately, the SEC is just decimated with COVID right now, and I have to go another weekend without Alabama Crimson Tide football, which I can't tell you how weird this is going to be for me, how unnatural this feels. It feels like I'm almost cheating on somebody, not watching Alabama on Saturday. It feels dirty. I don't know how to describe it. But I want to kick this off because I want to give the floor to one of our very own, right? because they weren't here with us last weekend, but they had the balls to say Florida by a thousand. And I laughed at them on this very show last week. I didn't listen, but I'm glad you're admitting it. I said, there's (laughs) no way, no way, because I've seen this song and dance from Florida before. The last time I heard this, they came to the SEC championship against Alabama. they sent Vernon Hargreaves on Amari Cooper, and the next thing you know, they're having to put every DB they have on Amari Cooper as he's mossing them all in the end zone. I just didn't believe in Florida, but they are really good. Trask is really good, and the one player I called right that doesn't make me a genius, I think that even Ray Charles saw that he was great Mm -hmm. great as Pitts, right? I think a blind person could tell Pitts is unbelievable.
2: Andrew, go ahead
0: and talk to us about Florida because I'm sick to my stomach.
2: The reason I said Florida would win this game and win it handily is because of Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts. That connection against the Georgia defense, who we knew was decimated coming in dealing with injuries, I just thought Trask would pick them apart. Pitts was going to be a problem. And even after Pitts went out, Justin Shorter came in. Justin Shorter had a touchdown. Number two, how do you stop Tooney? Number three, how do you stop the halfback wheel, which Florida ran the entire game on Georgia? The entire game, halfback wheels to Pierce. I mean, it was constant. Um, The only red flag I pick up from Florida after this game is if in the future in a big game, say an SEC championship against Alabama, if Kyle Pitts goes out, they look so weird trying to figure things out without him that I just don't think they can manage and come back from that in the game. But Kyle Trasper Heisman.
0: And hey, the one thing I will say, Marcus, Jameson, y'all were here last weekend I didn't say it in relation to the Florida game, so I can't take credit for it. But I did point out that there's one thing that's killing all of college football right now, the running back wheel. For whatever reason, nobody's linebackers are playing disciplined football looking for that wheel, and it's destroying. Bama nearly lost to Georgia off of that wheel, which is why it is inconceivable that they lost off of that wheel. I, I mean, may
2: be over-exaggerating, but it felt like every other drive, Florida was running halfback wheel on Georgia. And it, it worked every time. I don't remember a single time it didn't work.
0: Yeah, I don't think it didn't.
1: I think my main concern coming into like into this game was uh, – I think Andrew was a little, a little bit concerned, too, was how Georgia got out on Florida. And it, it, oh, my it, God. It, it, <laughs> they, 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 they punched him in the face real quick. and But Florida I, – I kudos to Florida, seriously. They they pull it together and it didn't they didn't look back that was that was what showed me a lot about them was you know we're gonna we're gonna take the hit in the face but we're gonna we're gonna pull it together.
2: I'll tell you the uh, key moment I was worried about it wasn't the Zamir White 70 yard touchdown run it wasn't any of the things you're thinking after Florida scored the kick off to Georgia that they almost ran back I think they took it to the face forty five or something like that. And that was happening. I sack and I was like, "Ooh, I, I don't, I don't know about this game." So that's what really scared me was that almost run back.
1: Yeah, they, they, like I said, I, I think it showed a lot about who Florida is, um, being able to get hit in the face like that and and really come back and you know win like that. I, I especially for their first real game of the year. Yeah.
3: And and what's hard to think about too is you know as good as Florida has looked at times throughout this year and especially I mean this last week I mean you see it against the number five team in the nation but you know if they run the table they don't really have any competition left for this year um, they've already played all the 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 uh, SEC powers they were going to but if you have an A and M team that wins out and you have an Alabama team that wins out it's not going to matter for Florida when it comes college football um, playoff selection time because they already have the loss um, to A&M. Uh,
2: well, SEC championship.
3: Well, yes, but you're going to have, you know, A&M and Alabama.
2: That's on the other side of the division, though, now. No, the Florida,
0: championship Nama. would come down to, at this point, Alabama versus uh, Florida because yeah. A&M resigned. Okay, I, I, thought, they yeah.
3: I thought they had yeah, eliminated I the, uh, the, the split between the
2: – No, the it would um... – it would be Florida having to pull off the miracle of beating Bama, which I'm in for if Trask and Pitts play like that. There, There is a glimmer of hope, Ty. I know you're probably not with that, but you have to acknowledge the way they play at that level. There is a glimmer of hope there.
0: You want to know why that's a fat negative, son? <laughs> y'all don't have anybody who can dream of stopping Devontae Smith. I'm not saying we <laughs> I am not saying – I'm saying just from an offensive standpoint, there is no. a
2: glimmer of hope with how good that Florida offense looks right now. But well, I mean, last week, Tony wasn't even really used in the Florida offense. It was Kyle Pitts, Justin Shorter, and Pierce.
0: And to your point, man, if you do want to beat Bama right now, as much as I love Dylan Moses, he's getting abused by two things in particular. And it's, it's really what worries me about this matchup. He's getting abused by tight ends. He's getting abused by running backs. The only two things you cannot be bad against against Florida, Bama's not great against. Here's, the, I think, the, the reason I give the edge to Bama, because that secondary right now is unbelievably good. They have Pat Sartan, you know, graded as one of the highest-rated cornerbacks, as, according to Pro Football Focus, but they have a freshman, Malachi Moore. Andrew, I think you were here during the uh, Tennessee game. I believe it was. And no, it was the last game. I think Mississippi State, you were over for. And I kept saying, watch out for 13 and watch out for 14. I told you before the game began, and those two are flying around making plays. But to your point, if we can't stop Pitts, it's all for naught. Look,
2: I, I've watched college football before. I, I, I know Bama 99.9% of the time wins that game. I'm not that crazy. All I'm saying is there is a chance, and Florida, granted, Georgia was decimated a little bit on the defensive side, but Florida just hung 44 on one of, if not the best defenses in the country.
0: Not even that. Don't sell yourself short. Trask went for almost 500.
2: Casually, too. Casually. with start, Starting out in a 14-0 deficit. Made it look relatively easy.
0: Going right? green and out on
2: the first two possessions, I believe.
0: Yeah, and uh, – You know, I think it was – I could almost argue that this was a coming out party for Trask. I think it was the throw – it was the throw to Pitts to get them into the game on the right pylon of the end zone. Yep, the Moss. Yep, that was a beautiful throw. I mean, you couldn't – I couldn't have walked the ball over to Pitts and handed it to him any better than that throw.
2: And that's what I like so much about Trask is he has great receivers. He has Tony, he has Justin Shorter, he has Kyle Pitts. He has great options. But everywhere he manages to place a 50-50 ball for his receivers, you can't put it in a better spot.
0: No, you can't. Now, someone said something about AM, and m a is still on a tear. They slaughter South Carolina this weekend. I don't think there's anybody left for them to really go up against. So I think – you know, I don't know what this season means other than a great job by Jimbo. Their team looks great and something to build off of. But I don't know what you do with it because it's not like – I don't know. It's strange.
2: I get It's going to come to the end of the year. They run the table. They could be the fifth team in the country It's like, sorry, you're on Alabama's side of the SEC. Like, that's tough.
3: <laughs> yeah, and – they, I mean, like, they already have that loss to Alabama, and barring, like, some absurd loss that Alabama has, I mean, like you said, they, they really don't have much to play for. Like, the next thing I'd look forward to is, like, what, the Sugar Bowl? That's that's really their, their next best bet. That, even that's this. assuming that we get to see all the bowl games this
1: year with COVID. Yeah. that is. Yeah, I, I don't know if they have much to play for, honestly. I don't know if the bowls are even going to happen.
0: Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at now. That's kind of why I took that position. So the second to last segment we're going to do, Andrew, do you have any bets of the week for us this week?
2: Do I have any bets, Ty? Am, am I not a degenerate? All right, starting off, um, I said the stat earlier, Miami's the number nine team in the country and Virginia Tech's favorite two and a half. Makes no sense to me. I'll take Miami plus two and a half. I think that's a lot. There's a lot of weird lines like that this week. Another one, Indiana minus seven versus Michigan State. I feel like that should be way higher. I'll take I'll take Indiana minus seven all day on that. Um, mentioned it earlier, Boston College seven and one against the spread. I'll take plus 13 and a half versus Notre Dame. Um, the next one, oh, Wisconsin four and a half versus Michigan. How is that line only four and a half? Did people just forget over the COVID break that Wisconsin's really good at football? It's four and a half versus Michigan feels like robbery to me. So I'm probably gonna hammer that. And then I didn't originally have this listed, but listening to y'all talk about the Oregon Washington State game, I was thinking the Oregon defense is going to cause some problems. But now I'm thinking over 57 and a half. Maybe it's a shootout. I
0: don't know. Look, and the 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 Oregon defense is weird because they're giving up plays, but they're super opportunistic, right? They're almost—I think Jameson said it last week—bend but don't break, right? That seems to be what they're going for right now. I love all of those, right? I'm not as much of a degenerate as you, but if my degeneracy was to peak, I can promise you where I'd be putting my money. And, look, I think the last thing I want to hit on, it's a dual question. I think we've ended the show every week with the same questions, so we want to keep it going. Heisman, playoffs. Where are you all at with each of those?
2: Look, as wise as it sounds, I think Kyle Traston won the Heisman right now. He's playing incredible. If he keeps putting up numbers that stupid – Granted, against worse defenses down the line, I don't see how he's not. Um, next in the playoff, Notre Dame's not going to be in, I don't think. I think it's going to be the three you're expecting: Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State. Florida has a chance, probably not. Um, honest, I'll, I'll throw a wild card there. I'll say Oregon. I think Oregon can get the four spot.
3: You know, and and I think Kyle Trask is he was kind of my my guy that should be jumping into the the Heisman. Um, I guess, talks. Um, so I think after seeing what BYU is doing and then after seeing what Cincinnati is doing, I think they may just cancel each other out to where you can't really put one or the other in the college football playoff, even if both of them run the table. Um, I think Alabama, Clemson, um, Notre Dame, I'm putting them in there for now. And then Ohio state. Um, I, I think those are the four I'm going with. And I think those are the four safest bets.
1: Yeah, I'm still on the Mac Jones train uh, in the Heisman. Uh, I think it's I think I'm I'm going I'm going to leave I'm going to leave Notre Dame in there Ohio State and you know, bam, it it just it just makes too much sense.
0: Yeah, look, somewhere somewhere a bunch of tide pods are rolling in happiness right now. <laughs> I agree. I think Mac Jones is doing something incredible. I think he's one of three going to New York. The by Heisman favorite is Justin Fields. Right, I think that his ability is going to just continue to grow this year. As far as playoff goes, because I think that Bama smacks Florida in the SEC championship right? with that good-ass whooping, I think that your top four is Alabama, Clemson, because Clemson will get vindication in the ACC Absolutely. championship. You're going to have Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson. Oregon is your number four. That's my college. Yeah,
2: I'm with you. Golf. I'm with you.
0: And I'm sorry, Oregon, but in that first game, Bama's going uh-huh. to show you the difference between Pac 12 football and big boy football. I agree. Yep, that's, that's where I'm at. Well, y'all, it's been great as always. Thank you for tuning in to College Football Unmasked, brought to you by the Daily Sport Network. Check us out next week as we dissect the world of college football and Andrew's degeneracy.